0: Cast Derek Chase and the Fam, as we usually do on Wednesdays. No Fam, but guests, kind of some extended family today. Uh, it's one, it's one twenty-six right now. Let me give you a couple of minutes, and then we'll dive into our guests who have the misfortune uh, to come off one of the most delicious podcast episodes I can remember doing in a in a long time. I was so energized talking to Mary Bill you. Uh, who masters all things food for the blade yesterday. She was so great. And just as I I think I said on the podcast, um, I said to lead up to the podcast, Mary seems like the kind of lady who we can do a three-part podcast instead of giving you like three or four endless hours of audio. Uh, it was a blast to talk to Mary. We could have kept going. And like I say on the show shows, wherever, Uh, I would never, you know, we're all in a a friendly competition here across the traditional Toledo media radio landscape, but for God's sakes, talk about fast food as much as you can, talk about good local food spots, and um, that's what Mary and I did yesterday, so the two guests today have the misfortune to follow up that. Um, They do come with a strong cause, one of which is loosely connected to uh, veterans, and we'll have Brandy talk more about that as uh, as Nate Welke, who you've heard me mention here and there, continues to dodge me, so I continue to call him a coward in a very friendly way, though. Um, Nate Nate has some very scary photos, and he is bigger than me and looks like the type of person that if he wanted to when he got angry, he could pound me into the cement. Brandy will be a good time. Uh, first up, it will be... Is it first? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First up... Uh, I'll record them after I give you this. First up, uh, if there's one one thing that can can put a a stop a dam in front of delicious food all over the area, it would be one of the uh, the biggest cultural things happening um, in the world. At least over the next week, it might not be really tight on your radar. It is on mine. It's not like a Marvel movie coming out. God, I miss those. But it is a big deal for me, and I think the excitement will grow in the coming days, especially if you are able to get one, or maybe more so if you can't get one. Will Harrison, who is like an extension of the fam... He is very close with people who have been on the pod before. Uh, so Will does freelance writing for the Blade every week or so. Every couple of weeks, he does a uh, an all things nerd column, mostly video game centric. He has a podcast about World World of Warcraft. I listen to it. It's very well done. I don't understand any of it. And um, he's got he's got a super cool wife. But Will's a good dude, and somehow Will has managed to get a PlayStation early. So I'm going to pick his brain about a lot of things and it'll be good to have Will on. First, it's Veterans Day. Um, when I think Veterans Day, I think of my buddy Jen Wakefield who um, who has so kindly welcomed me in three years ago to the Lucas County Suicide Suicide Prevention Coalition. Jen would come on the old show here and there for things that she would do and I got to know her a little bit. And Jen is a um, a Navy veteran and she's been to some really cool places. So when I think veteran... I think Jen's been on the show every year for Veterans Day because I always bring her on. Not that Jen is a spring chicken. like You could be 24 years old, I guess, 25 years old, and be a veteran. I don't know how old Jen is, 32, 33. But I know for most of my life growing up, when I thought of veterans, I was like my grandfather or older people. Um, But you can be a veteran almost at any age, right? I guess as young as 18, 19, 20. Um, so I always have Jen on to talk about. Hey, let's let's not forget about people that are half the age of those people that have um, fought in wars long ago. But I decided to dig into veterans in my life because I think we all know someone who is a uh, a veteran uh, or connected to it has a has a parent or an uncle who is a veteran. Um, I, th- I did the math. So let's see, if you were born in 1970, which you'd be 50 years old. Which is or is not old? Um, It's not old compared to like someone who was a World War II or a Vietnam veteran. But if you were born in nineteen seventy or a little bit thereafter, you could have fought in the Gulf War. And the Gulf War, to me, is still a long time ago. Um, If you were born in nineteen eight, not ninety, no, nineteen eighty. You could, my my math, yeah. If you're uh in 1980, you could have fought in the war in the middle east after 9 11. So, uh, veterans are younger than I guess I've ever realized before, and I try to spread that message. Uh, but the veterans in my life, and again, sometimes I overlook this for people that I know closely that aren't related to me, are um, my dad. And I said this yesterday on the podcast, I I was going to ask my dad, I was going to ask details about this. My dad was, uh, was he part, did he say he was part of the draft? I I forgot some of his story because my grandfather's story was was actually very cool. Uh, my dad would have been fighting in Vietnam but he was definitely in the army. He was in training and never had to go fight in Vietnam and then he was in the reserves afterwards. And that was the extension of his. I think, did my dad make it to some kind of sergeant because that was in the jacket that I got from him? I'm sorry. But I wanted to ask him about my grandfather, his dad. That's David, David Weisberg. That's um that's my grandpa, uh, who passed away at the age of ninety-seven years old a couple of years ago, twenty seventeen, I think, or twenty eighteen. He lived a very, very long life. He and he lived about ten years past he where he wanted to live. And it was uh I I greatly appreciate my dad doing his best to take care of his dad as his dad just woke up every morning and every every morning was like, shit because he was blind and could do do very little. He almost set the house on fire. Um, but he was a very strong, stern, independent man. So my grandfather, my dad told me, and he probably told me this when I was younger, but I just, I had forgotten about it for some reason. The army and military isn't as integral or intrinsic a part of my life as it is with some others. And that is by no means no disrespect, but... Like, there's many questions I've never asked of my dad that you know of your parents. And I remember the old show used to laugh at it. They're like, you don't know blank about your mom and dad. I'm like, nope, never cared to know. Just wanted to keep that shiny mom and dad image. Um, like, I've never seen my dad cry. I've never asked my dad when the last time he's cried. There was a time when my dad told me he was about to have sex with his girlfriend. This was in, like, two years ago. And then he wound up having a heart I was like, whoa! I almost drove my car into oncoming traffic on burn because he told me that. I just want that shiny mom and dad image, that they're always there for you, they're indestructible, and they're superheroes. I know that's not the reality, though. So my grandfather... My grandfather, that was that was Grandpa, what I called him. My Grandpa uh, David. He was he was the one that I don't I don't think I ever got the belt. I think he gave the belt to my dad and to his brother Uncle Michael. He was uh, very stern, very rigid. I remember him laughing, but I don't ever remember him smiling a lot. He was very stoic, and he was good with his hands. Not necessarily. Building or constructing things. What did my dad say? My, my he, I think my grandfather sold insurance for a long time and was very, very good at. It. But I remember my grandfather being—he uh, liked painting. He liked putting things together, but not like a, a, not like a Home Depot kind of person. He would just like to take on various projects or around the house and figure out. He was very what's the word I'm looking for? Crafty, but not arts and crafts. Like he could fix something very MacGyverish that term still resonates right. And I don't want to ramble too much here so we can get to our guest, but my grandfather was very stoic. He never gave me the belt and my uh, my dad reminded me today or told me for the first time that my grandfather was in World War II in the in the teeth of it, 1942. He was mostly stationed in the Pacific and I believe my dad said that Grandpa was stationed in Australia and New Zealand. Um so I guess not necessarily like the front lines of Europe and D-Day and Normandy and all that, but um, a lot of plane and, and ship battles in the Pacific um, in 1942 and 1943. And my grandfather was, and this makes total sense, he was an MP, military police. And now that I told you that my grandfather was very stoic and stern, but not not mean, he just didn't smile a lot. Um, you see the... I guess you look back in old movies and stuff, and you think of who the military police were. Yeah, that's kind of like an image of my grandfather. And uh, my dad told me that I guess my grandfather was fortunate enough to not be in any terrible battles or anything. And I guess my grandfather was very good at what he did, and my dad said he had the opportunity to be an officer, but he was fine being uh, an MP. My dad said... His dad, Grandpa, described it to him as he spent a lot of time in Australia uh, protecting things and watching over things and eating very good steaks for $1. So, um, I'd like to ask more about that. My mom's dad, Grandpa Paul, who I was very young when he died, um, he gave me my first baseball glove. I didn't catch up with my Uncle Jeff to ask him about his dad. That's my mom's brother, about Grandpa Paul. But um, if you're of my age, which is, 41 and a half as of two days ago, uh, basically your grandparents, especially the males, your, your grandfathers uh, were in the army or some kind of armed forces because they had to be because I believe that was the draft. And I don't know whether, what did my dad say when he was in the Vietnam stuff, it was a lottery lottery. Where the where the draft was, you were going, and the lottery was depending on what number you got, higher or lower, you were more likely, you were more or less likely to involved to be involved in one of these conflicts in a very scary way. Um, the plot against America, that was an HBO show in the uh, in the springtime, I think, and it reminded, it gave me a glimpse of who and what my I guess my younger grandparents were. So. It's an alternate history, kind of like the man in the high castle. Did you watch that on Netflix, like if the Nazis had won World War II? The plot against America was where Charles, what's his name? Not Darwin. Oh, God, the pilot guy. Berg, Berg. Oh, this is going to, I should look this up. The the, the pilot guy, Lindbergh. He became president of America and was very friendly with the Nazis, and I guess because, so his baby got stolen, right? The Nazis, oh, I'm going to give this away. I'm going to give you the plot, uh, to the plot against America. If I understand this right, the Nazis kidnapped his baby and forced Lindbergh to be a pawn for them to oversee America and um, dislocate and displace Jews from strong Jewish communities And since it took place, I guess, in the 40s The people that it focused on were in their 40s So a little older than my grandmom and grandpa were at the time My grandfather was born in 1919 My grandmom, Grammy Weisberg, that's Gertrude My grandmother's great names Gertrude and Harriet uh, my grandfather was born in 1919, and my Grammy, Grammy Weisberg, was born in 1920s. So the characters in *The Plot Against America* were were a little older than my grandparents at the time, but it was still interesting to watch. It it truly did give me a, a snapshot of them. And uh, again, no disrespect to uh, to any kind of veterans and what who they what they and you do. Um, with so much courage and bravery, and I guess a lot of fear as well, but but you can never be thanked enough. So I guess I apologize in a small way, not that I really have to, for never diving deeper into the military history in my family. But there you go. Let's uh let's get to our guest now. First up, Will Harrison, gamer nerd from The Blade and more. Hello! Hi, it is what it is. Yeah, and you, well, you sound... You sound perfect. So I always tell people, have you ever you've never used like this clean feed thing before, right? Once with Kyle and it didn't work.
1: So I kinda like wrote it off because I was like, well, it seems cool, but I can't like he couldn't hear me through it. There was some weird browser thing going on. Kyle problem.
0: Definitely definitely a Kyle problem. Um, I said as I did the introduction for this that you're like you're like extended fan. It's Eric Chase and the family. You're extended family because people that that you know well, like Kyle and, and others, are, are have been on the podcast a lot of times. So it's good to have you on finally, not from your bathroom, but whatever you're on, it sounds perfect. And I get all kinds of sound qualities with people. I always tell them if you've got like earbuds and a mic, Apple stuff that'll work best. But you sound perfect that was one of the
1: benefits to the pandemic and being married to an Episcopal priest who suddenly found herself having to like do all of her services from home is that, Hey, like I've got all this Twitch streaming software, we can finally make use of it. And then literally yeah. the computer exploded like January 10th and it started down a long process of replacing parts and replacing microphones. I, like literally everything on the system has been replaced since then. And I'll take it. Like it's, it's a nice bonus for me. And you charge write right, it off.
0: You charge Rachel for it.
1: <laughs> I mean, I probably should, but I consider myself like the unofficial unpaid uh, tithing employee of her church. So I, I yeah. guess I'll take it.
0: Yeah, and, and she balances out the the Kyle in your world. You've got Kyle down at one end, you got the wonderful Rachel at the other end. So the universe is in balance. I, I, as, as
1: balanced as it can be in 2020, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we have a lot to talk about. We got plenty of time. I can kick my my three o'clock if I need to, and the show's already recorded for the day. So what? So what's on? You've like gamer headphones now. What is this setup? that sounds so good. Um, so we've got a HyperX
1: QuadCast uh, USB C mic that has a built-in pop filter. We've got a new Logitech headset that literally is no different than the old Logitech headset, except it costs $50 more, and they added RGB lights to it. Kind. It's an important. you got to have the lights. Otherwise, you're not a real gamer.
0: Everybody
1: knows that? Um, new video card. The big thing, and this is what it's shocked like when I've talked with Shaggy um and other people when playing online is that there's an nvidia download called nvidia broadcast that you can only use if you have an nvidia video card that is it's a program that uses ai to clean up your audio feed so like i've i have an air conditioner running behind me right now um and it filters everything out it also has a video app where it'll do background blur basically like all the zoom stuff that Mm -hmm. zoom thinks is worth the zoom premium money but really isn't um and it's free. Like. Really, the only downside is you have to have an NVIDIA video card, which means I've got a six hundred dollar twinkling light of heat and death inside my PC tower at the moment. But
0: I'll take it. Well, yeah, it really sounds it sounds awesome, and uh, maybe I'll I'll talk to you one of these days. Well, like if this ever goes, if my access to this ever goes away, there's a a, a setup. It's called the Rodecaster. Um, I guess mm-hmm. it's pretty standard now for for people wanting to get into podcasts, and I've kind of set that aside and I'll grab that and but you know your computer stuff you know my engineer do you know do you know Josh McKinley is an like like many people like in this area
1: like I I've heard that name he's in like our circle. probably have not met them he
0: was an engineer over there but now I got him here with us so oh, nice. he's in all that stuff he's a gamer too in fact I should have him come into the studio now he uh he <laughs> Got he so he's been our engineer sent now since August. He got a place near me in Holland, and I went over to go see his place, and his living room looks like your gaming setup. So Josh is a different bird, like all of us in the crew are, and he had two TVs set up in his living room. He's like one's to watch TV, one's to game, and then all the controllers were there and the headsets are there. So he's one of us.
1: I can relate to that. Like early on in my relationship with Rachel, when we were just dating, like my 70-inch TV was also my computer monitor because I had the desktop just hooked up to it. And I would play uh, World of Warcraft that way. And early on, like the big thing that she and I did that kind of bonded with us, that we were both really into Street Fighter Four, like heavily, like playing competitively. So we'd set up multiple TVs in her um, in her apartment at OU, and play Street Fighter competitive ranked online, but not against each other, just like playing it concurrently. And I remember one time one of her roommates walked in and kind of looked at us and was just like, oh, God, you really found each other, didn't you?
0: (laughs) I I think about like some of my like you'll never get anybody who checks all the boxes, no matter like what level of happiness you achieve. But then every now and then, like I see a relationship like yours, I'm like, you know what? There's never going to be anybody that likes Star Trek or some comic things like I ever do.
1: I I I'll, I honestly acknowledge every single day how lucky I am, and even yeah. though it's like let me weird places. Like if you asked me a decade ago if I ever would have ended up in Texas, and not only ended up in Texas but enjoyed it, and now kind of like opining for it, even as I'm stuck in Central Ohio, it's and now being in Central Ohio, I certainly never thought that would happen. You know, willingly.
0: Yeah, uh, you're in a you're you're in a pool of red. Is where you are. That's an understatement. I think <laughs>
1: I think there's like a deeper well inside that pool, and I've fallen into it. Like the election results for Knox County were really shocking because we we knew that this is a Trump heavy county. Like you sure. can see it because there's a literal gauntlet of Trump flags and like Confederate Trump's like smashed flags where one side is Trump, one side is the Confederate flag. It's real bad. But I, I didn't realize how bad it was until I saw the election results and saw that eighty percent of the county went for Trump. and I was just like, oh, huh, well, I guess that explains a lot. But then again, it's, what do, you, what do you expect? Like, I had a, there's a mutual games journalism friend of mine, uh, Ash Paris. she writes for Kotaku now. And we went to Overwatch League Grand Finals in Philadelphia last year. And beforehand, her and her boyfriend came down there in Akron and drove down this way. And, and I thought about warning her ahead of time, like, hey, like, just to warn you, the drive-in, it, it's going to get real, like, um, anti-General Shermany as you drive down. <laughs> And she gets out of the car. The first thing out of her mouth is like, she said 12. And I was like, 12, what? What told you? She said 12 Confederate flags from the point we hit start of Mount Vernon
0: to your house. And it's just like, oh, I'm sorry. 80% was red. So are there only 10 people in the county and the other eight, aside from you and Rachel, voted Trump?
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny because there's a little bit of a liberal bastion here Uh, Gambier, which is the the town where Kenyon College is which, if anybody out there doesn't know, is kind of the, like, liberal arts, like, artsy-fartsy rich kid hub here. It's kind of like a town off the side. It's literally on top of a hill, which I think drives people crazy because they they get called the liberals on top of the hill. And it kind of balances out, but with the pandemic, um, their student numbers are weird. Not that it would have made a dent in it. You know, it's a school of, like, 7,000 people, so... it wouldn't have made any difference, but occasionally it's nice to go out there and be like, oh, it's it's people wearing masks here. It's almost mm. like real life. And then I have to go to one of the four subways in Mount Vernon. And then I remember where I'm at and I desperately miss places like QQ. Yeah,
0: I have uh, I have like. This must be what it's like to be like a blackout drunk because I think we talked about you in Philadelphia, like online, like we always do, about the Overwatch thing, right? Because I was probably suggesting or telling you places or asking where you were going.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, you and I could have had a running report through that weekend. And it's crazy to think that was a year ago and that, you know, I was in a stadium with 20,000 people watching a video game. And now this year, like once again, not, it's – I feel so bad like harping on how different things are – this year because of the pandemic, and how things have changed, but from a video game's perspective, it's just been such a weird year. Esports have faced a lot of weird challenges, especially Overwatch League, which I think might be on its last legs if it doesn't figure something out. But in general, it's been such a good year for video games that it's almost a little hard to talk about it in comparison to the rest of the world, like, there's, right. you know, two new consoles are coming out this week. and. It's this weird dichotomy of being like, "Hey, the hot new thing is out," but maybe you're not in a place to afford the hot new thing because shit's real rough. Um, you know, go with your, go with God, go with your heart, and figure out what's best for you. You know, i and I've got a five hundred dollar piece of machinery that I probably don't need coming to me tomorrow.
0: Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, and I, I, I mean, mentioned the uh, the blackout thing because you said that we met at dinner at swig yeah um that was um 2012 uh, 2013 2013. 2013. and i remember the dinner because jt was there um but i didn't remember you but i remember the dinner and i i felt bad that you said i was kind of my usual self back then but i do remember that's why i have like this this blackout drunk thing with you it's everything splotchy
1: that's that's what was funny about that because at the time like i was actually really intimidated to meet you because kyle on our way there or maybe it was GDU, was just like, oh, hey, by the way, Eric Chase is going to be there. And I was like, you mean that radio guy that I argue with in my car when I'm alone because he says stupid
0: sports things? You You listen to the sports show then? Oh, yeah, yeah. Look at that. So you were the one. How about that? I'm also the only regal likes at raw Stan in the world. So <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. Uh, if I, you, you haven't noticed like Will and I, this could be another two hour podcast because our conversations I, are really limited to 280 characters. <laughs> so it used to be less. Yeah. Um, so let's do the geography, and then we'll get into the game stuff, and just shoot the shit, sure. and curse at your leisure here. So you were Huzzah. living, you were living, you were living here. How did you wind up in Austin, where you just uh, teased us with food porn all the time?
1: Uh, well, the downside to the food porn is that I also gained twenty pounds <laughs> and then never <laughs> lost it. So there is a downside there. Um, So, Rachel and I got married in 2013. I was originally from Gallup, Ohio, which, if anybody doesn't know, is way down in the ass crack of Appalachia. Don't go there. It sucks. Especially don't go there now. It's going to be a red county soon. Uh, Avoid that, if the best you can. We met at Ohio University in a public speaking course. She gave a speech about video games. I was like, pretty girl, talk about video games. Followed her around. (laughs) Four months later, we were dating, and and what sucks is we met each other in the middle of my last semester at OU because I graduated a semester early and then she was graduating in that June. So like we had this real like coming to God moment where we both had to sit down and be like, so you live five hours away. What's this relationship doing? Um, and I basically just was like, hey, I'm I'm not long for Appalachia. I need a way out. I, I wanna see where this goes. So I spent a year trying to find work in Toledo to no avail. And then finally, in 2011, I got hired on as a temp uh, research assistant for the Toledo Blade. And it's funny, because at the time, um, one of the bosses who hired me was like, we hired you because you didn't have a journalism degree. We thought that was interesting. And I really didn't know how to take that at the time, because it's like, huh, what a weird, like backhanded thing to say, but I guess I'll take it. And a few months into that, they suddenly needed a a. 2am crime reporter. So that's kind of when I that's when I was listening to the radio a lot, honestly, and was hearing a lot of you on like 2 a.m. commercials. Um, started doing that. We get married in 2013 and, you know, a couple months into it, R- Rachel was very unhappy with kind of her, her direction in life. She was working for the family business, which was great. That's uh, Bell Binders and Down Down Toledo. it's still there. It's been in the family for a while. They make um, office supplies, do t-shirt printing. Um, she didn't see herself as wanting to take it over. She had been having, going through a real crisis of faith. She was a cradle, uh, Catholic and was a Catholic when I met her in uh, college, which my, my mother loved, absolutely loved that I, I was, I was dating a Catholic girl five hours away, no problems there. Right. Um, and funny enough, um, she became an Episcopalian and we, I became an Episcopalian. She became a priest kind of because of, uh, board games. <laughs> Like we had started hanging out at the original Sean's Anime and Comics, whereas which is also when we first met Kyle randomly on a, a Wednesday night when we were running a uh, weekly HeroClix game, and one week uh, an Episcopal priest shows up full in collar and wanted to learn to play HeroClix, and we're just like, huh, that's weird. Look at that. So I'd never met a pri- I'd never met a a non Catholic priest before, so you know it was all new to me. We became friends with him. He eventually became our our like weekly D and D dungeon master, which while we were in Toledo it was kind of a reoccurring thing with uh, JD, Kyle and a couple of the friends of ours that we would do, which basically equated to like eat too much pizza and get drunk while Rachel tries to steer us through a star Wars D and D campaign to no avail. Love it. Um, those were the real sloppy Wednesdays, <laughs> but eventually like Rachel went to the uh, converted over to the Episcopal church after talking to Zeke a lot. And he, this, that was his name of uh, father Zeke Coglin, And he was just like, Hey, have you ever considered um, the priesthood? And, she actually hadn't because obviously in Catholicism, there's no place in their eyes for women as clergy. Uh, the best you can usually do is being a, uh, a nun. So they make you go through a, a lengthy, what they call a discernment process, which is literally two years of them asking you in meetings, are you sure you want to do this? <laughs> Don't you think you'd be better, you have something better to do? <laughs> it's funny cause I was involved in that process too, because obviously she when she thought about doing it, she wasn't just going to make a unilateral call and be like, well, we're doing this because we had lives, you know, she was making good money. I was finally making good money at the blade at the time. Um, and she was just like, Hey, um, I think this is the thing I want to do. We may have to move. Um, let's talk about it. And I, it was kind of like whenever I decided I was going to move to Toledo, she's instantly like, yeah, we're we're doing this. Let's go have a fucking adventure because when else were we ever going to get out of Ohio? And I, I don't say that too derogatorily about Ohio. But you've got to take chances to go out and see the world, and I hadn't done it to that point. So she goes through meetings. There's a whole hierarchy to the Episcopal Church that basically boils down to meetings that give a recommendation to the bishop of your area, your diocese, in this case, the the Diocese of Ohio, as to whether they accept you. And then you have to go to a uh, grad school for a master's in divinity. Or maybe it's masters of divinity i'm never sure about that one um and that was wait hold on
0: i'm gonna fast track this a little bit so we have enough time for all the nerdy stuff so how yeah sorry where goes the where's the call to austin the call to austin
1: came because the original call was to go to a seminary in columbus that closed down the day she found out she was going to be being allowed to go to to, um to seminary
0: again blackout blotchy drunk things i and i wasn't drunk i remember that.
1: Yeah, it's it, it came as a shock because we had planned to just move to Columbus and we'd still be around family. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, okay, you're going to have to find another seminary. And the options were Berkeley in California or Austin. And honestly, it came down to affordability. Uh, we couldn't afford the Berkeley. Bay Area. I don't, I don't think anybody can afford the Bay Area. Um, especially with me leaving a job and wouldn't have a job. And when we moved, the only money we had is what we'd saved up and what I got for selling my yellow Subaru Baja on the, on the way out.
0: You could buy like a bench somewhere in San Francisco. Um,
1: maybe a, <laughs> like a really ugly bench. Not, not one of the nice ones. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's
0: it's good that you picked a place that's so much cheaper, Austin.
1: I mean, cheaper relative term, <laughs> right? Like, right, right. Like, we lived in a 400-square-foot studio uh. that was about a mile and a half from downtown and only open market if the school hadn't been subsidizing it. I think it would have been 1700 a month, and that place was a crapple.
0: Like, but you ate well.
1: Yeah. like it, As it turns out, both of our stress reactions is carbs. Right And um, there's no shortage of that in place where that literally offers you a taco covered in fried chicken and queso. So was, I'll take that every day.
0: It was uh South by South will for me year round with you posting your, your weekly or almost wow. every other day food pics. And they were delicious. You know, that's funny. I was
1: just looking at my Google maps account where I've been uploading pictures for like the last seven years. And I just hit 3 million total views on my like review pictures and it's all because of food. So yeah. Like, well, I mean, that's that's nice. I, they sent me a pair of socks one time. Google did for that achievement. Very nice. I lost the socks. Um,
0: well, there's yeah. five million. Can't be that far off, right? Yeah, maybe I'll get another pair of socks. Maybe. Uh, so, and then you got back here. You guys picked up and hauled butt pretty quickly to the middle of Red Red Sea, Ohio, and that's been two years now. Uh, Yeah, coming up shortly
1: in two years. It's funny, because I've had people ask this, and the decision to come here wasn't ours, um, per se. When you first come back and you graduate, we owed two years to the diocese, essentially. So they place us where they best decide that Rachel will be able to serve the community. And honestly, I had no idea where Mount Vernon was. It was kind of funny, because we hopped on a plane from Austin to Mount Vernon to visit for a weekend, and we were walking around Mount Vernon and we were both really concerned, like, oh, no, did Austin ruin us for for like <laughs> small towns in Ohio? I maybe it didn't. And then a month into moving back and we realized that there's more um, McDonald's than voting Democrats that we, we were in
0: trouble. We're was just like, oh, no. But you were kind of close to home.
1: Yeah. And that is nice. Um, we're three hours away from my family. We're two and a half away from hers. Um, we have all our friends are back here. Perfectly honest, we have friends in Columbus, and you know, before the pandemic, we're able to at least see them. And I think that's maybe what I appreciate most about 2020 is that I've been able to reconnect with people online because this is the norm now. Like it, we're finally in that weird future that they told us was going to happen 10 years ago. where It's like every meeting will be happening on the internet, and you'll you'll video chat with people instead of calling them on the phone. And we're like, that sounds stupid. That'll right. never happen. And now here we are.
0: Yeah, I knew that, that thing's had hit and, had hit like a fever pitch when my dad got an iPod, uh, got an iPad and and he got taught how to FaceTime and I was like, "Wow, I never thought I'd see this day because he's not he's not unhip or it's an unwillingness." And I guess that's just mm-hmm. endemic of being older, but he was always kind of embracing of technology. But yeah, once, once he got that, I'm like, "Oh shit, wow, the world really is fucking ending now." Uh, well, welcome back to Ohio, and Thank you. D- did you get your, had you, you were still writing, what, freelance for The Blade while you were in Austin, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, they, they um, let me continue the column, which I was actually a little surprised by, and was thankful for at the time in Austin, because I moved there without a job, and suddenly found myself tr- trying to jump into freelance for the first time, and... Uh, continuing that work was a real benefit, and I'm always grateful for that, because I'm, I'm honestly, I'm given a lot of headway in what I can write about. They, they trust me to to vet my own pieces, and very rarely do they ever tell me, like, hey, we need you to write about this. Like Occasionally, when, like, when it's baseball season, they're like, hey, cover the new MLB game, or like I've got a gift guide coming out um, next month that's honestly going to be really easy this year because of all the new consoles. But... It, it gave me a lot of freedom, and I think that helped me in my freelance work and a lot of the work that I've I've done since then, including work for other papers. Like, without the, that experience of working for the Blade, I would have had a really hard time covering South by Southwest for my first time, like, and just being dropped into it. Like the the Austin American Statesman, the paper down there, was literally just like, "Okay, so um, we've got slots for you for seven pieces across the weekend where the gaming section's happening. Go out there and find some stuff." And I was just like, "Oh, you're just." gonna throw me down there oh, okay and it was terrifying but i felt prepared for it
0: um are you, you still doing like how much freelance work do you have aside from the blade uh and this is obviously a personal question but you know i ask these like is money okay even before all the pandemic stuff because doing what we do in this legacy media media thing is like our jobs could go at any day right um i won't lie it's, it's a real
1: feast or famine thing um, especially in freelance game journalism these days because not only is there are less and less outlets online anymore. Like I feel like an outlet goes away every couple of months. Um, the other problem is there's just always new people coming in. It's it's the constant like media problem. Like there's always going to be somebody younger who would do it cheaper. Yeah. And and maybe even faster. Yeah. Um, and in many ways, I I feel lucky because I am a kept boy because Rachel does so well Um, and I hate to put it like that, but it's the realities of working in game journalism. Like I am extremely privileged to be able to essentially just do this as I, I, as I want. I, I haven't gotten an IRL job since I I left Austin, which is one part, there's nothing here, but another part that, you know, it's given me the freedom to kind of figure things out and I won't lie, it's been hit or miss. I've, in fact, I just today had a freelance contract end because, the website in question, uh, decided to cut content coverage. And it's a shame because that was a really well-paying like job that was a nice little supplement to our monthly income, but it's, it's not the end of the world. I'm, and I'm continually grateful that Rachel does what she does and, and makes what she does so that I can keep, you know, yeah. Looking fancy on the internet.
0: It's 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 how I hope more people have taken a, a universal or holistic look at their life rather than just like what the paycheck is and are the bills right. paid, because there are other things to it. My uh, when I when the, the morning rush went away um, and I was waiting for this to happen and, and for deeper things to happen here at Cumulus, my dad was kind of like my my benefactor, uh throwing me mm. some money so that I can continue to do like a lot of community volunteer work, which is become very important to me and has been fulfilling in other ways besides uh, finances so it's great that you and Rachel have that very universal relationship outside of just we love each other and the bills get paid because there are more things than than that to to happiness and life together.
1: I can relate to what you said there too because I I won't lie like the time during Austin, the first nine months when we got there before I got a regular job was probably the hardest point of our marriage just because money was bad. And it's amazing like how many things become stressful when the financial situation becomes tense. And I, I will be forever grateful to Rachel's father for being there for us and, and helping us out, and my own parents, who honestly paid off our credit card at one point. Awesome. And, and without it, I don't know if we would have made it all the way through because it, it was a dark period. Like I, our mo- only money coming in was what I was making off freelancing. And sometimes it was really great. Like at one point I had a job with a um, an Episcopal magazine down there that paid incredibly well. And then other points there, I was doing these rinky dink uh, games writing jobs where you got $50 for a piece and maybe you got one of those a week. And it was it was hard, but I think it provided me with some real valuable perspective too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We both have a lot of the same complaints about the way the, the the world is set up financially. But I think you like, I, I, I always preach to people like, look, it sucks, but this is the game. And it's, it's, it's poker, not blackjack. You can still do okay with a good hand. So you can complain all you want and nobody's going to really help you out. And I'm not talking about like people who are oppressed and below the system. I'm talking about people like, like us,
1: Right, it's 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 important to remember the long game and and just things are always in an ebb and flow and you can't control it. Not not to get too like Taoist Buddhist on you, but you kind of just have to be the rock in the river and allow things to play out sometimes.
0: Yeah. Um, so now that we've talked about how crummy finances can be, let's talk about, (laughs) let's talk about really expensive things that, uh, that we really don't need, but, but you have already bought and tell me that let's start this conversation with this. Am I going to be able to get, am I going to be able to order a PlayStation five tomorrow? My gut says one of two things will happen. I missed all the pre-orders. I don't know how I thought I was stalking it pretty well. Maybe like the, uh, the sneaker bots were PlayStation bots. I think there's going to be some openings tomorrow that, if you want one and you're a little timely, you'll be okay. If not, you'll be out of luck for a while. What do you say? Uh-
1: Uh, I think you're about 25% right. Like, I I think there's (laughs) going to be a a few openings, very, very few. In fact, I told some other people, like, check PlayStation Direct, the actual PlayStation store where they sell hardware and games. That's where I ordered mine. They might have some openings, but for the most part, retail outlets are not going to have them in stock until 2021. Mm. Uh, They've all said that, which is, like, it's kind of insane to me to think about The fact that we're in a new year with a brand new console cycle coming and retail is not really playing a part in it and they don't really expect numbers to be any lower. Like what's been going on with GameStop um, and them trying to stock consoles while not losing any of their like brick and mortar um, um, support is kind of uh, spectacular to me because everything has just been so weird. but. Yeah, I hate to tell everybody out there, including you, it's going to be real hard to find one unless you pre-ordered one. Um, and we might see pre-orders open up here and there, but the best you're going to be able to do, and I highly suggest following some Twitter accounts, including uh, CheapAssGamer, um, at Wario64 is another good one. These are all accounts that basically post deals um, as they occur, and if you keep an eye on them, you can catch some things. Like That's how I managed to get my uh, pre-order, and Why is- I got lucky.
0: Wario 64, what were cheap-ass games?
1: Cheap-ass gaming or cheap-ass... Let me... Here, off top got over here. Cheap-ass cheap, cheap ass gamer, at video game deals on Twitter.
0: You know, I have sneaker things like this. I never thought about... I, I don't buy enough video games. I shouldn't buy as many sneakers as I do um, yeah. to follow this stuff or to even look it up. Okay, hey, we're done. I got what I need from you. Have a great rest of your life.
1: <laughs> um, That's I, okay. I haven't bought a new pair <laughs> of shoes in three years, so it evens out.
0: Yeah, um... I'm uh, let's let's talk about the system. I'm all, I think your computer and PlayStation, not so much Xbox, right? No, I have never
1: been an Xbox guy and it originally started because I kind of had like a deep resentment of Microsoft, but as I've aged, like I'm I'm the console wars are real for a certain demographic and that is people who do not have their driver's license yet. But it's also a very real thing because I remember like when we were younger those feelings of resentment towards the other console were always driven because usually you could only, you were only allowed to get one thing. Like my family could afford a Genesis. So I always kind of like secretly resented Nintendo people just being like, oh, look at your Mario. Well, I've got Vector Man. It's great. I love it. Thank you.
0: The pinnacle of that is, you remember our friend Philip from the old show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip worked at the Apple store for a long time, and that's where Philip's uh, professional enlightenment took place. And he told mm. us all kinds of stories that literally people would run by the Apple store and go, like, Apple socks or Android for life, and they just run off. <laughs> so you're right. Weird. You're not talking about the ho- highest quality of person who argues over that kind of minutia.
1: Well, especially now, and I I will be perfectly honest, the consoles minus the Nintendo Switch, because Nintendo is in their own universe for better and for worse, um, the consoles are so homogenized now that it basically boils down to how long have you been in the system? Like for me, I have been buying games through Sony consoles digitally now for over a decade. Like for me to switch to Xbox would Required not only something spectacularly different, but it would basically be like a complete upending of how I've been buying games and I'm not going to fault anybody for like not switching out of that, but in terms of the consoles now, there's a few set exclusives for each one. Um, more so Sony than Microsoft because if we're being honest, Sony has always had the better exclusives, unless you are super into Halo or super into Gears of War, but even that's changed now with uh, Microsoft's new initiative that every Xbox exclusive game is also going to come out at the same time on PC, which leaves a lot of people feeling like, well, if I've got a gaming PC, why do I need an Xbox? And that's right. kind of where I'm at now. Like, I've, I've, I've signed up for um, Microsoft's Xbox Game Pass service, which is basically the closest you're going to get to like the Netflix of gaming um I pay ten dollars a month for it and I get access to around 60 or 70 games um on PC it's also available on Xbox and it rotates like for instance um the new version of Tetris Effect just came out uh for Xbox and PC this week and lo and behold I have access to it for quote-unquote free through Xbox Game Pass um and that's a real value and they keep it updated and it's kind of the thing that keeps Xbox afloat because of the backwards compatibility that it definitely dominates at this point. It's kind of amazing. That you can just throw an Xbox 360 disc into your new Xbox series X and not only will it play, but it loads faster. It looks better. Um, and that, that's definitely the advantage they have where they lack the exclusives like the Spider-Man series or God of War or let Last me, of Us that somebody
0: has. Let me ask you this in... If you were king of all video games, the emperor of all thing, or what? He says I'm not. This is true. If you are, you're doing a very cloak and dagger clandestine way about it. But I, I've had this thought before. Me too. I've, since PlayStation 1, I don't know why. I just never liked the Xbox controller. Um, mm. But whatever. I heard your air conditioning now. Or is that the, the giant fan you have cooling your gaming computer?
1: Uh, actually, a little bit of both. It did just spike. It sounds like an aircraft carrier taking off.
0: A little, uh, I, well, the the gate the mic gating is working wonderfully. What? So I've been fortunate, like you said, uh, Spider Man, and lots of other Sony specific games have been PlayStation, not Xbox. So I've never seen, I've never wanted If you said, hey, you can have an Xbox right now, I'd be like, great, I'll trade it to somebody for their PlayStation they don't want. What? Mm. What game would have to come out for you to to consider an Xbox? And for two years now, no, a year and a half, I have considered. Uh, I've never wanted a Nintendo. I grew out of Nintendo after, you know, we got to Genesis, I think. But I have considered getting a Switch just to play Ultimate Alliance 3 because the first two were some of my favorite games ever. I have not because it would be, like, the only thing I would play. But I've thought about it. So what kind of game would have to come out for you to get an Xbox?
1: Oh, man, that's that's such a, like, a complex question because my gaming habits and you can probably guess this my gaming habits as somebody who has to keep their finger on the pulse of whatever is new means that i don't get to play things for a very long time um for long amounts of time but there's two constants in my life currently and it's been world of warcraft which i don't think i'm ever gonna quit they're gonna have to kill me and take my rgb lighted keyboard away from me to get me off of wow and uh overwatch the the team shooter which i play on pc but for some reason if like they decided to cancel the pc version and put it on xbox i might consider it okay the the other big one and i think about this now would be the fallout series which is you know Ironic because Bethesda was just bought out by Microsoft not too long ago. And in the foreseeable future, we can probably expect to see games like Skyrim and the Fallout franchise exclusively on the Xbox. But then again, there's the problem. I know that it's gonna be coming out on PC at the same time too, because that's their agenda now. So I guess you really have to like the console experience to be able to just make, make that decision. But based on the hardware we've seen, maybe that's the way to go. Like for a while consoles have kind of lacked compared to their, their PC brethren, but with the almost lack of load times we're seeing in both new consoles, it's kind of astounding what they're doing now.
0: There was, uh, some rumor, maybe you told me, or do you know our friend Vinny? No, I
1: do not.
0: You've run into, you've run into some of our, our Twitter threads. Uh, but Vinny's in, in the video gaming comic book stuff. Like, like he, he is a nerd. Um, yeah. Here, you told me that the the bethesda thing or something was going to be that there's there rumor that the the next arkham games were going to be xbox exclusive and and i gasped a little bit um that would have made me buy an xbox or i just mm-hmm. would have had to find a way to to live without it and i know that, that that was just a rumor but it did stop me in my tracks for a minute
1: right there there was rumor for a little while that wb's gaming division was going to be bought out in wholesale but um at who is the parent company of, w- of WB, um, I think was either just fishing or didn't find an offer they liked because they came out very vehemently and said, no, we're not selling the games division, which is great because it would have been upending, honestly, if we looked at it, because then you're talking about the Mortal Kombat franchise, you're talking about Injustice, you're talking about the Arkham games, you're talking about um, the new Suicide Squad game that will be coming eventually. Um, I, I, just, I, I don't think it's in the best interest of developers like that to not put their games on as many consoles as possible, which is why I'm I'm interested to see if this Bethesda thing is going to play out as being exclusivity to PC and Xbox, because it just seems like a bad business move to me to suddenly take something like fallout, which has been on myriad consoles now and say like, well, it's only going to be on Xbox now because if you're going after raw sales numbers, it just seems like a bad move.
0: Yeah. Um, I the game I spent my summer with is I don't know if you wrote about it but it is look I love my Spider-Man I love my Arkham games the Ultimate Alliance games but Ghost of Tsushima is the best game I've ever played in my life it has I have always wanted to travel to Asia and that part of the world and enjoy the the peace and the equanimity and the culture and especially now in the pandemic, that game has saved me from doing that for the experience that it took me on. It is the best game I've ever played. What are your thoughts on it?
1: You know, I, I didn't get to play a lot of it because it's I've been in this weird funk this year where I've had a real struggle with playing open world games. It's not because I've played so many open world games at this point, but... To its credit, and I will say this, it's one of the best looking games on the PS4, and I I recently saw some video of the PS5, uh, or of it running on the PS5, and it's gonna be one of the few PS4 games that was actually uh, upgraded by the developer to take advantage of some of the PlayStation 5's uh, new features, and it looks phenomenal. Go check out some of those videos from Digital Foundry or Giant Bomb or anybody who does like raw video footage of the PS5 right now. Um, they took an amazing-looking game and locked the frame rate at 60 frames, and, and they did some really phenomenal things with it. And like you, like it's funny. We, she and I, Rachel and I, were planning a trip, like a round trip to uh, Korea and, and Japan. For this year uh, at one point and of course you know now everybody's we're locked in here with each other right. and can't yeah. can't leave the country you can go to mexico it,
0: but uh that's a different kind of game
1: yeah i, I don't want to play <laughs> break, breaking bad the, the home game <laughs> yeah uh
0: but yeah it was it's the best game i've i've ever played and i was a little di- i am so i am not your i am not your core audience i don't Watch Twitch. I don't want to be on Twitch. I don't know how people watch other people play games. I don't want anything to do with multiplayer. I I got online and played FIFA like 14 online, and by the time it was 17, nothing. I was like, this multiplayer online shit is not for me. But I was hoping for some some extra levels with Tsushima. But for sixty dollars, it was to me like a hundred dollar game for all the hours that I put put into it. I I play kind of slow anyway, but. Man, what an incredible game. So I'm looking forward to all the next platform stuff that comes out in the coming years.
1: Yeah, it's it, especially because it, I I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming, but there is an update for Tsushima that's going to be adding uh, a free multiplayer it's uh, out. component. It's it out. It is out.
0: So not my thing cuz the update it, it was yeah, it was completely free DLC. In fact, I loaned the game to somebody here cuz they had a son that loved the Asian culture. It was like, "You will love this game oh, then." Nice. And then I asked for it back because I wanted to try the DLC and I got going with it and there's some extra, some, some aesthetic things in new game plus that I didn't love. Like it's, uh, an extra level of challenge, but not that much different, but it's totally focused for, for, for multiplayer where you can get in and fight with friends and all, and all that stuff. So that's not my thing. So that's why I appreciate a good open world single player game. Like I played Sp- Spider-Man changed my life in the sense that I love the game, not my favorite of all time, but I played it two and a half times and I've never done that with a game before. When I'm done, I'm done.
1: That's interesting. I I, I will say like one of the things that the Spider-Man game nails, even though I found it to be a little more, more derivative of other open war games, especially the Arkham games, is that I love the story. Like it's hands down the best Marvel uh, story they've done in a, in a game yet. Um, I really felt that it did Spider-Man justice and I'm really looking forward to Miles Morales. I've heard nothing but good things. And also yeah. it's a shorter experience. Like I've heard that game tops out at around 10 hours and that'll lead people to asking like, Hey, now that games cost $70, how do I feel about, you know, a game that's promising 10 hours of content? Some people will think, Oh, well, I feel like I'm getting ripped off and others will be like, good, finally games are too fucking long. And I kind of bounce back and forth, like. A great example is when I reviewed Persona 5 Royale, the JRPG, earlier in the year. And I got an early copy. I wanted to have a review of it done in a week and a half later from getting my review code. And that game took me 110 hours to finish, which meant a lot of time just, like, staying up way too late, (laughs) sitting in a corner. Rachel would kind of occasionally come in and, like, throw some pizza rolls under my face and be like, okay, you have fun, champ.
0: That I don't get the, the, the hours of games, and I saw the, the 10 or 11 hour with, with Miles as well, and it will be 50 bucks, but I guess everything else will be 70, and that's why mm-hmm. I felt, like, when I was playing Ghost of Tsushima, and my playing is usually reserved for the weekends, like, if I'm really into something, uh, well, with the old schedule, I'd play six or eight hours on friday and then over the course of the weekend you know anywhere between like six and ten hours and tsushima took me Mm -hmm. two months in that so if you said this i think tsushima was at like 30 some hours i was like not in my lifetime (laughs) so i get that's why i guess i say like i'm not your 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 p1 so in some ways like to me i would have paid twice as much for for tsushima with all that i got out of it but i guess it's different for everybody
1: right and that is one thing i do like about open world games is that you can kind of play them at your own pace and i tend to like power game through them and just like get the story stuff done that's kind mm-hmm. of how i played spider-man that i just burned through the main story stuff that's how i played horizon zero dawn which i highly recommend also that might horizon zero dawn is probably one of my favorite games from um this ps4 generation i think we also talked you and i a little bit about uh, sekiro shadows die twice
0: i got i gave it to J- you, re- you remember jeffy McGee? yeah Jeffy uh, Jeff McGinnis, he was uh, on our show, did stuff with us at here. Uh, works at the movie theater. I gave right. that to him because I didn't like it. <laughs> we traded. It's hard. It is very hard. Like yeah, I mean I'm not like total. I, I like hack and slash, but I don't like the total mindlessness of it. I like the the artistry or the ballet type things of Arkham and Spider Man. Where where there's there's you can't be drunk to play. Like you got to pay attention to combos, which is why I didn't like this Avengers garbage game but Sekiro no way like you had to pay attention and be quick and focus and concentrate and uh, it was a challenge
1: that game asks a lot of you and I'm going to lose some gamer credit here but I never beat it I'm stuck on the the last boss and it's one of those problems where like I, I bang my head against it for a couple of days and then I take a couple of months off from it and then go back to the game like maybe i can beat it now and i still haven't yet and it's kind of embarrassing because I, I love FromSoft's games games i love the dark souls and demon soul series and have beaten them all and then here's this game that it's the boss challenges i i think are just way too difficult um i love it like i love that game's aesthetic and i, I love its world but damn i just
0: yeah i mean because like i, I told you, i love the samurai games usually any any comic book Superhero thing, I'm in for like like when I was a kid, Same. all I did was play sports games. But the superhero stuff, like I was in awe of uh, the first Arkham. I think that was it's Asylum City Origins Night, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was I was in awe of that, and and I look back after playing Arkham Night and I look at Asylum, and I'm like, wow, this is super like kind of cartoonish. But I'm all in for those games. But now that there's two other aesthetics that get me, I like Viking stuff. So that's why I've never played more than two hours of any Assassin's game. But I have my eye on this and I like um, Asian combat games. But I was the same with Sekiro. I'm like, I keep dying and I can't even get down the hill after the first thing. I was like, this is insane.
1: You know, um, you might if you do get Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you might be playing it for a couple of years because the fine. last two Assassin's Creeds games, I've, I've friends of mine who cover the industry and you know are with it have taken like 200 to 300 hours to get everything done. Good. So, I'm in. I guess in. I'll see you in a decade when the PlayStation Six is ready.
0: Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> there was another really great note, and I it maybe maybe curious if other games worked like this uh, with Ghost of Tsushima. After I have a boss battle and I'm, and it it insults me and goes. Maybe you should take another challenge or drop the level down. I'm like, I get it. I'm going to keep going at it. And then three more quick deaths. i would be like, okay, I will drop the level down. It allowed you to not only change aesthetics and armor and weaponry in a boss battle. Like you just hit pause and change it up. Change your charms and stuff. But you could also change the level during the battle too, which I liked.
1: That you're seeing more and more of that, and I think it's a good thing. And I don't say that as somebody who's you know getting up there at the ripe old age <laughs> of 35 and can no longer play the video games. <laughs> but I have no qualms anymore about playing a video game on its lowest difficulty setting. Like kind it may have been years ago that I I would have like seen that as like a, a burst to my my badge of honor but these days especially when i'm trying to review stuff quickly like play them the way you want to get through them it's more important that you see all of a game that's actually why i recommended some horror games to jd this week that have essentially god modes where like you can't it has a no fail state so you can just experience the story you can experience like the actual shock and horror without the worries of gameplay getting in the way and I, I think with this generation, we're gonna see more talks about accessibility and not just accessibility for difficulty, but accessibility for people who, who need different control schemes, who need visual and audio cues built into these games as a default. Um, color blindness, button mapping, all these things I think are gonna help lead to an area where pe- more people finish more games and enjoy games more. I, but, I think it's really important.
0: Uh, I Hold on one second. I got to do a couple traffic reports. You'll be here yeah. with me um, and I'm going to record these and we'll, we'll continue on. Okay. I just uh, booted my three o'clock interview so we can keep going.
1: Okay, cool. And, and that honestly it keeps me from having to go downstairs and, and paint cause we're doing our living room uh, this week while Rachel is off work and I hate painting. It sucks.
0: Really? I don't, I don't like it, but uh, it's the only thing in the house that I can do. So I kind of embraced mm. it. It's just, it's, it's a big room and
1: we've already done the kitchen and the dining room and, I won't lie, like i was just kind of like I don't know. Maybe this ugly beige color that they poorly slapped <laughs> on before we bought it is good enough. I don't know.
0: Didn't you had painted something else not long ago, and I was like, well, I really like your color, right? Yeah, yeah. That that we did the uh, the the kitchen and this
1: like very stark yellow and then did uh this orange almost salmon color in the dining room and and now in the living room we're gonna do this dark blue like it was a really cool color progression because i'm finally in my own house and i was just like you know what i want weird ass colors nobody ever does like off the wall colors and Sure, we'll have to paint it someday, maybe if we want to sell it. But at the same time, I'm kind of just like I don't know, fuck those people. If they want to buy the house, they buy the house. They can yep. paint later.
0: Uh, that's that we we had. Yeah, we definitely have similar taste. Before I left the downtown, and we're back by the way. Before I left the downtown place, I was like, I'm gonna paint an accent wall, and it was like pumpkin <laughs> pumpkin orange. And then before I left, I was like, I'm gonna paint another one, and it was oh. some kind of like like stop sign red. And thankfully, I didn't have to paint it back, but um. My bedroom, I wanted all different things when I got my condo. I went with a pretty standard gray for the majority of the house, but I I wanted the bedroom to have a little character. And it was like, it's like a nautical, glossy, dark blue. It it might be quite similar to what you guys said you're going to do. And then for the Transformers room, I'm like, fuck it, it's all going to be stop sign red. (laughs) nice well of course I mean, you have to have them stop somewhere they are robots in disguise there we go um, to go back to the, the challenge of games I talked about something on the show on the air I don't know I lose track of the stuff but I maybe it was I've done more gaming the last couple of years than I did prior to that I have a lot more free time not having to oversee all the stations and get emails where they're like hey you should have had this done 10 minutes ago I'm like I just got the email right. um and games are, I, I was, I don't like to criticize people than young, younger than us, even though the people that have called out Baby Yoda for, did you watch this week's episode? I'm
1: super behind on Mandalorian, actually. We only got through half of season one because, you know, stuff and things. I like it a lot. I just need to catch up.
0: People were pissed at Baby Yoda this week and I'm like, I'm done. Like, it's a fucking sci-fi fantasy show. People are being mauled, killed, and murdered all the time let our favorite character do what he does. So sometimes there's like yelling at clouds, but not in this case, right. but but our games as kids, and I think we might've talked about this on Twitter. Our games as kids were tougher, but like you pointed out, you dropped the levels to as low as possible because now there is more of a cinematic and theatrical experience to the games that we're playing now. You're literally playing movies where 20 years ago, like you just wanted to, if like what we used to say, was, you wanted to flip the game. And right. it, unless you had the Contra codes, some of these things were maddeningly hard and you had to measure it up to down to the last millimeter to jump on that ramp. Now it's just playing the beauty of the game. So there's a nice little converse there. Well, I think there's two things with it. I, I think
1: one and this isn't a knock against old game developers from back in the day but games were more poorly made back then. There was a lot more like crap that was thrown together by a team of four people sometimes literally four people um, and then shoved out the door. I mean look at NES era, era games. There's just a lot of very poorly designed stuff which does make things like you know, speed running now really entertaining because you get to see those games kind of broken down and, and torn apart. But I think the other thing too is that gamers are now more trained to be better at games like we've been playing now for 15 years of games having built in tutorials i don't remember the last time i had to crack open a An instruction game, a game manual yeah like <laughs> like we're past those days where games are obtuse and i think that's the big thing is that games used to be much more obtuse um and not in a way that we're like well we're trying to hide our secrets it's just they didn't think to explain how to do certain things or how certain mechanics worked and now not only do they do it but gamers in general have a better understanding of how these systems work because we have an idea of better uh, of how games are designed and how they're supposed to go so I think there's more intuition now that makes it easier
0: yeah and and also you know technology back then I forget the Marvel movie but like they were uh, I think it was Iron Man 2 or something yeah it was Iron Man 2 it was what's his face Stark uh, Howard Stark I am limited by the technology of my time. I mean, we couldn't get games now. Back in like 1993, like those games that we were playing them, we were in awe back then. Like when there was some kind of uh, graphics upgrade. I think the game that turned my head to holy shit, like games that are going to be so awesome in the future, was Sega Genesis World Series Baseball.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've had a similar moment with uh, the first time I booted up my PlayStation One, and I couldn't afford a game because the console was so expensive. But I had the demo disc came packed with. And I loaded it in the original Crash Bandicoot demo. I was just like, "I can run in any direction. What is yeah. this fucking wizardry?" Right,
0: right, like, right, right. Who right. did
1: this? Um, what?
0: Uh, how are you with sports games?
1: I like sports games. Um, you know, growing up, they were my my thing. I. I loved NBA Jam. I constantly, yeah. like every couple of years, think about buying an NBA Jam arcade cabinet, which luckily they've got that one now through that. I don't remember what the, what the name of the company is, but they sell full arcade cabinets yep. through like Walmart and Sam's Club. And they've got an NBA Jam one that also has NBA Showtime and Tournament Edition and stool, like a, an NBA <laughs> the Jam stool. themed stool. Stool is included.
0: Just um, get, just get, it. I'm the same way. Just get NBA Playgrounds. You will love it. It will hit the spot for NBA Jam. That's, that's,
1: you know that that's the kind of stuff I did like, and actually, I like I liked old school wrestling games too. I feel like there hasn't yeah. been a good wrestling game in a long time, which is funny because AEW, um, the new WWE competitor, just announced uh, their own suite of games that are be coming out soon, and I have high hopes for that. But there's just something about ar- like arcadey pick up and play sports games. Like I, you and I have joked about it, but I still love NHL '94. Yes, uh, it's, it's always going to be one of my go tos, and I, I pick it up every couple of years, and I'm just like, yep, still like this, it's still great.
0: Yeah, it really is. I have my Genesis. I unplugged my PlayStation because the living room was getting crowded. And I guess it was maybe thinking, hoping, praying, I'll, I'll get a five. But the Genesis is there where I just got to plug in some RCA chords and NHL. I think NHL 96 is the game that's in there where you can do a season with good stats and... It's corny for for what it is. It aged better than I thought it did. When I went down this rabbit hole a couple years ago and bought a Genesis and all these old sports games I loved. Madden sucked. Some of the comic book games sucked, but the sports game, like, like uh, some of the, one of the baseball games I got, and definitely the NHL games and NBA GM have aged pretty well, all things considering. Well, you know what's
1: funny is that my early enjoyment of the sports games that took stats and statistics seriously is kind of what led me down the path of like really enjoying RPGs and then later getting into D and D because it was in you know NBA Live '95 um, specifically that I think about where I was finally able to see like statistics across the whole season um player statistics and averages and kind of think about these games statistically and i think it's what made sports click for me it was the understanding of that we can quantify these numbers in in the video game and, and that's what makes them different than watching them in, in real life but also it was a comparison to real life because you know but that was kind of the start of uh, fantasy sports too
0: did you play super tecmo Bowl or were you too young for that no i i played tecmo ball so like that game turned my life around. Where me and my friend, those were those were my the peak of me and him staying up all night, alternating offense, defense, doing a season, doing a season in one night. And from where it, from where Super Tecmo, from where Tecmo bowl, bowl was to where Super Tecmo Bowl went, where you know uh, it was all the teams and counting stats and like the 1993 schedule. And outside of QB Eagles, like my mind was blown, and that to me was the the stat the stat gateway to everything like you talked about with NBA live.
1: You know, it's, it's funny. I just had a, like a really bizarre gaming memory, like pop up where I remember that I had gotten Madden 93 on Genesis. And it was the first football game I had gotten for the Genesis and it had the Cleveland Browns. But at that point when I played it, the Browns weren't a team anymore. And I remember <laughs> going to my dad and being like, Hey, what's this made up football team that's in here? Uh, because they they don't seem to be real. And then it happened again in Madden '96 when it was the first game to have the Ravens uh, as as an official team. Um, they weren't like they hadn't set the team yet, but they went ahead and put the team in the game as an unlockable. And I just remember being like, "This this this team isn't real. What's going on?"
0: Uh, I did the same thing. I had NBA Live as well, and I liked the stats. And I got the college game too, and I mm. loved it so much. I remember um, I was. It was at the peak of now I've always really loved college basketball with the exception of the last couple of years. Um, I would watch ESPN's like big Monday night or something. And there was always like a big East team or, or a big 12. And I would write down the names of players since they had no licenses back then for college players. And they never actually right. could. Um, and I'd be like, okay, that's that person. This is this person. And that's that person. And then I would just, you know, in my evidence. head, do, do some play by play with these players who, wow, that really looks like Jason Lawson or Carrie Kittles or whoever. <laughs> <laughs> um but you're you're right like the stat revolution kicked in, in in the early to mid 90s and it took sports gaming to a whole nother level
1: i did that with uh ohio university basketball players because i wasn't big into college basketball but because my dad is an ou alum and i would eventually become an alum I, we always followed ou really heavily and i remember um doing the same thing you did like i would take the, the program from the games that my dad would take me to bring them home and then plug those players into like nba live um just just as the complete like leveling out of my nerddom
0: um i haven't bought um i so i got away from sports games i stopped buying madden a long time ago because i realized there was not much changing and I, i really didn't like the idea that you're it's like it's like football. You're playing for three seconds at a time. And I was always a big stat nerd. That's why I got out of NBA games for a while because the games would take so long and your leading scorer would have 12 points. Same thing with like Madden games. Like, unless you played online and wanted to beat the hell out of some kid in Kansas, like, you had to play a really long game to get stats that would mirror the real thing. Do you, right. do you, how do you feel about Madden games and other sports games today? I, I just don't think they're for me anymore and
1: I, it's kind of half of what you're talking about with like there's a lack of realism but at the same time is realism fun. Uh, it's no. kind of always the, the thing I, yeah, that's the thing I think about like I've reviewed the last couple of MLB the show games. Uh, great game. Of, yeah, I like I, like in theory I like them but I just I can't sit through all of it and yep. I, I like I like the uh, the show mode that kind of truncates a lot of it. Um, and boils it down but playing a whole game I just I can't do it
0: I'm you I think you know me like I'm I've I've always been in on stats and I hate the word analytics because I'm like, it's just doing simple math. It's not analytics. And I really liked the show a couple of years ago. I think I bought it in like 17 or 18. I think Josh Donaldson was on the cover and I was like, wow, they have really advanced how pitching happens. And that, that has, that mirrored what was happening in baseball where you had to be more precise and at least analytical and mechanical and, and, and thoughtful. And I like that. But to do all that and enjoy that, I'm like, all right, I'm now 90 minutes in, and it's uh, the fourth inning. So, all right. Uh, and and the the backyard games. I know RBI came out a couple of years ago. So I've mostly mm-hmm. tapped out. I tried to get into NHL a couple of years ago, which I guess for all your money, and for pound for pound, no pun intended, I guess NHL has been the the best game, outside of FIFA, for the longest time with the least amount of complaints, except I always have issues with, All right, I'm playing at one level, and I'm always winning 6-2. I go up one level, and now I'm lucky to score a goal, and I I always had an issue with that.
1: Yeah, the thing I've always struggled with those games is, where is the level in regards to difficulty, where I feel like I should be making improvements, or you can improve, or is this AI like is the ai differences just so vastly different that there really isn't any competing unless you're just power gaming it and it makes me think of once again nhl 94 where i would get games where on one difficulty i would finish a season game at like 17 to 2 and then you turn it up a little bit, and suddenly, oh, whoops! It's a three-zero shutout. I didn't do anything that game. Right. What's
0: going on? And then we got sliders, but the minutia of that was like, I have no idea. Like, do I want to do I want to be better on offense, or do I want to make their defense worse? I'm like, I can't do this. And that was basically the end of me liking sports games that weren't like NBA playgrounds.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I, I fell to. And it's, a part of it for me too is though that I've, by the way, by large fallen off of sports uh, almost completely not only because it's hard to watch sports anymore i haven't had cable like actual cable in ever i don't think and i i went through a real period and still kind of having issues watching the nfl because of the injuries involved and the nfl's own practices and it made it really hard for me for a while to watch football but i still like to check in and like see how things are going and in the case of the browns you know kind of Sigh, and be like, "Yep, things are still going on as as they have for the last fifteen years."
0: I like to follow it. I don't watch it like I used to. Football, yeah. because of the constant interruptions, um, mm. I guess of the the big ones. I, I like watching basketball the best, but I'm I'm removed from it. Uh, I, once I didn't have to talk about it so much anymore. and never have to be a fan ever again. And and it's literally like, it's like, you thought the election was bad? That's sports around the calendar for a lot of teams. I was like, good, I can remove myself. But 75% of my internet consumption, like what I read, is sports stuff. So I still like to follow it and see what's going on. But I just don't want to sit there and deal with constant commercials or be locked in for X amount of hours for nothing, a whole lot.
1: Well, I think that's why, too, like the other part of why I've drifted off from... Meat sports, as we call them in esports, but it's because <laughs> I, because I, I've gotten you know, in for a penny, in for a pound, in, into esports. You know, not only do I I play games competitively online, but I also cover a couple of games online, and I have real vested interest in some of the pro scenes for for games, and that's where a lot of inter- my energy is taken. And it is one thing I, I like about um, esports is that there's still kind of a quantifiable quality in regards to statistics, uh, especially in games like Overwatch League and overwatch where you you can get really detailed listings of, of stats you can kind of see where the flow of the game goes purely by looking at the numbers which i think is fascinating but it also kind of has this and this is part of the esports are struggling with the fact that the game and the balance of the game can change at the whim of the developer mm-hmm. which i think is something that's still being figured out because it's really strange that and overwatch is a great example where suddenly in the halfway point of the last couple of seasons like a a Uh, balance patch would come out and completely upend the meta of the game suddenly one team who was running one specific strategy was no longer able to do that because it just lost literal power in the meta like it's insane to think about that in regards to like real sports it's like if they suddenly changed like the the ball in football to like a different shape and then told them to go have fun at weeks like 10 or
0: I, I, it sounds. It's, it's like almost having like you got the whim of, of of a god complex that could happen. The thing that popped in my head was like uh, all of a sudden, like fantasy football passing touchdowns are only worth three points, and Patrick Mahomes yeah. is like, whoa, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, it's very similar, and that's that's. Not that I could talk for hours about the problems with esports right now, but one of the problems esports is facing is that all of the professional leagues are ran by the developer and the publisher. And at the end of the day, the publisher only cares as much about those esports divisions as they care about it as being a marketing arm for those games. Sure. And it leaves the players who aren't under contract under some tight constrictions. And we've seen a lot of players retire from Overwatch League. We've seen a lot of players leave for other games. And it's probably really stressful to deal with uh, to have changes each week and to not know what you're going to prepare for and i i I don't blame them and that's that's gonna be something that a lot of esports divisions whether it's call of duty league whether it's it's overwatch league league of legends dota uh rambus Siege, whatever you're talking about they're all gonna have to deal with the same thing inevitably of how do we balance out things changing week to week with also this being part of the consumer product that normies like me play and kind of demand seeing changes as the game go along?
0: It, it, you talked about how it, like gaming now should have really taken a big step with the pandemic, but that's offset by, you know, people have been challenged with some some money. I have not heard a lot right. of moving forward of e-sports um, over, the, last, over the, the duration of the pandemic. Is that because places that were jumping out on it, like to go back to Philadelphia... And I think why we were talking then about that was I had told you or asked you if the e-sports thing, where where you went to watch the event was at the new e-sports thing, but it hadn't been built yet. But Philly in the little sports complex there is putting up some kind of big e-sports center. So has the growth of the sport slowed? And is that because of the pandemic or other factors? It's been a lot of factors and it
1: it depends on which game you're talking about in regards to which growth because in regards to like the big ones in esports and that is league of legends and dota 2 they're seeing a, about the same tracking in regards to growth and viewership numbers a lot of that has to do with the fact that those games are hosted in china um league of legends just had their big championship series play out in china where they are facing different realities of the pandemic than we are in the United States, and that's affected a lot of it. But then you jump to a game like Overwatch League, whose whole thing was about, hey, we have teams for these cities, and eventually in season two, which they tried, We're going to be doing like home games where fans are going to go like we have stadiums in Philadelphia. We have stadiums in Dallas and the fans are going to be able to go there. And last year was kind of like the test case for that. And this current season 2020 was supposed to be the big rollout where all the games were going to be played on on the road. And then the pandemic happened and it really just kicked things in the nuts as regards to
0: their plans. I guess having fans at places. Those were the days.
1: Yeah, and like that was their big thing. I remember sitting at South by Southwest when first Overwatch League Commissioner Nate Nanzier was giving a talk about the realities of what they were doing. And he said that they were trying to model the NFL formula because they saw a lot of their their funding and a lot of their fan energy coming from having a home team atmosphere. And that's why they had gotten uh, NFL owners like the crafts and, and uh, Rick Fox and other like big luminaries from real sports over into esports because they had this promise of it. And you come to the season and it's just all gone to hell and yeah. they split, the, they split the divisions up based on basically North America or, and then like the rest in the pacific division so like all the chinese teams all the korean teams and london were all in one division and none of the teams ever crossed over and it kind of created this kind of watered down product that wasn't fun to watch and who knows now if we're gonna see you know home field teams happen like and it's kind of what you talked about with philadelphia they they built a stadium or were working on a stadium for the Philadelphia Fusion and for some of the other um, e- uh, esports teams that are popping up in the area. But what does that mean if you're not going to be able to use it? Right. And that's just another one of the mysteries and realities of you know the year of our COVID that we're all trying to deal with. But in regards to Overwatch League, I, cons- I really am concerned what it means for the future of it as an esport if they can't get back on track with what they wanted to do.
0: Yeah, and like you talked about, uh, there's a lot of companies who we're familiar with would invest in this because they saw where the arrow was going and now those companies might have other priorities at the moment. Um, You mentioned other things happening in Philly, like I think the Sixers, I know the the NBA is always progressive, like just follow the NBA if you want to have interest or see where things are going or make a little bit of money and they've invested in uh, esports leagues and I know the Sixers were very progressive with with that as well but I've not heard much about any NBA esports lately.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely well, the NBA 2K League is definitely on the lower end of the esports realm, but they've, you know, they made some headlines and they did some interesting things. They, they made had a, a real draft. initiative to bring, yeah, they made a real initiative to bring women players into the league um and not as like a, 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 a not not doing it in a way that felt pandering. Um, they had real support for it and it's always funny like none of the sports-based esports have really taken off the way they thought they would like they make money like there's a madden league and there's there's a fifa league technically but you don't hear about them because they're so niche compared to the the likes of of league dota rocket league and and the other ones and
0: i I don't know why that is i think it's a different kind of person just like i love Hmm. video games like if you said You can't. There will be no more video games. You've hit a certain age. You can't play it anymore. I would be very disappointed. Um, So I'm, I'm a video gamer, but I'm not like what you love or someone in between you and I. I think there's a very different kind of person who, as hardcore as somebody who Madden is, and they go to all the Madden tournaments and they want to get on ESPN. That person probably is not Rocket League. I'm not saying. They're not. There's not some crossover, but I'm gonna guess that 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 there's not as much as there could be there, because you're right. The sports games are like if somebody thinks esports, they're like oh cool, I'm gonna go watch somebody play, you know, NBA Jam or Madden. Like no, 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 it's Shaggy playing Rocket League. I
1: and mean, that I think
0: that is the thing is that.
1: For those games and for those esports leagues, it is definitely more about, hey, this is a facsimile of the thing I love and not necessarily like, oh, I love esports and it's kind of doing its own thing. And maybe in the future, they'll try to find a way to like better cross those two over. But it's what I've talked about with Shaggy on our old podcast, Get In Loser, We're Playing (laughs) Esports. I talked about it a lot where... There's a real problem with esports where it's, it's just looked at as another marketing arm for these uh, game publishers. And until they see it as anything else, like Madden's a great example, there's no initiative from EA to make Madden's uh, esports division bigger because that game is going to sell no matter right. what. It's the same thing with FIFA. Like FIFA is going to make literally a billion dollars off its microtransactions no matter what they do. So, what is it, what's in it for them? Fortnite to is improve
0: a, it. Fortnite is a marketing platform now. And Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I did totally. some I did some market research last week. I had another uh we were finally get to got to go out and do some some mental health speaking. I was at St. Pius in an Old Orchard and they were middle schoolers. And I had noticed before the pandemic we were getting less and less uh feedback when we would crack Fortnite jokes. Um, so I was like, Jen, hold on a second. Let's, and I said, I need a raise of hands here. Who's playing Fortnite? And like one kid put his hand up and I was like, I need a raise of hands here. Who's playing among us? And they all went up and they all wanted to tell us how to play it and all that stuff. So it was interesting. Cause I, there's a, a couple of people that I follow online and, and they've thought that Fortnite was going to live forever, but I'm like, Whoa, here comes among us real fast.
1: Yeah, it's funny, and we you mentioned Twitch a little bit, but this is definitely where it ties into what's popular in Twitch and really shows the power of Twitch. Among Us was a game that came out like three years ago that nobody had heard of, that the, the developers were getting ready to like throw it in the towel. And then suddenly a major streamer came across this game and started playing it as a joke with some of his friends during his live streams and the game took off. That's literally the power of Twitch as a platform, that it, it turned... A game that nobody had heard of that was on death's door into this massive thing where now we have politicians like AOC playing <laughs> on streams to 400,000 people watching live. And the same thing was with uh, Fortnite. Like Fortnite wasn't a thing until it took off with streaming and with big name streamers kind of flying its flag. And, and then Drake. Yeah, and then Drake. I, actually, I was just mentioning to somebody that that was kind of the touchstone moment was the moment that Ninja and Drake were playing uh, Fortnite live on Twitch because I remember watching that and mostly watching to see the uh, viewership numbers kind of keep rolling up like a slot machine in real time, and that was definitely its its like transgression moment and if you want a real idea of what the hot current game is or what kids are playing, all you have to do is look on Twitch because, and this isn't derogatory about, you know, watching streaming, but it's definitely geared towards uh, kids. It's geared towards children. It's geared towards preteen. It's geared towards teenagers. And if you want to know what they're doing, just look at the Twitch uh, front page.
0: I, I knew that among us was growing because uh, when I go to Reddit memes, more Mm -hmm. among us memes or pop again. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, I have to ask about this or this is what I got to be tied into. I have two last questions and then we can tie all this up. Uh, one, one is a, one's a a hard question, uh, for the podcast, but I'll start with the, um, the personal one, I guess, uh, that Hoya and Tencent thing. Should I keep that stock?
1: You know, that that's difficult to judge right now because the Chinese markets in regards to gaming, um, are in a state of flux, but so much of it is based off of the markets and the industry juxtaposed against the Chinese government, but also in regards to the pandemic and how China isn't completely out of it yet either. Um, I think we're going to keep seeing growth, obviously, because companies like Tencent keep buying subsidiaries and they have some major thing coming out that... American uh, audiences are going to eventually care about like the likes of like Diablo Immortal, which is being um, made by Blizzard and Tencent um, for mobile audiences. Things like that are going to keep growing. Uh, the, the mobile, this is the big thing I, I try to tell people is that the Chinese audience is huge and it's there, but it's also more mobile focused in a way that the American games market kind of left behind long ago. Once they realized that moms didn't want to play Farmville anymore. Right. And, and it's, it's in such a state of flux, but I can only see the Chinese markets going up from here. I mean, okay. Yeah. It seems natural to
0: me. I I just basically asked Will if a stock I bought, which I guess <laughs> is like the Chinese Twitch, if I should keep it or sell it because it's kind of it, it, it hasn't done a whole heck of a lot. And I kind of you kind of know that going in whenever you buy any Chinese stock, just like you you shouldn't you shouldn't trust any virus information coming from China. Don't trust stock information either um the last question the hard question i need your three favorite games ever
1: oh fuck <laughs> um well number one is easy it's world of warcraft it's kind. a game i've literally been playing for 16 years um it is my go-to when i'm sads which might be why i started playing it again in 2020 and then started a podcast about it this year too crazy right um Number two will have to be um, Street Fighter 4 and all of its iterations. It has a special place in my heart. It's the thing that Rachel and I um, continue to play to this day, and I just kind of pick it up effortlessly no matter how long it's been since I haven't played it. It'll always be there. Um, You know, number three is difficult. I'm going to throw you a curveball because you might not know this game. It's a a narrative game that came out in 2014 called Life is Strange. Um,
0: I thought you were going to say Edith Finch.
1: This is good, but <laughs> life is strange. This, this episodic story about, um, uh, uh, a, a queer girl who gets, uh, time traveling powers and has to deal with the ramifications of like changing the outcomes of life. And, and it's, it's a great sci-fi story. It's a great personal nostalgic story. Like I can hear the music in my head and it just makes me feel things. it's, I have no problems with saying like, it's a game that made me like just openly hard weep when I finished it. Um, I haven't liked the games they've done in the series after the fact, but Life is Strange 1 will always hold a special place in my heart. And I highly recommend it because you can get it for $5 now and just basically yeah. any console.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, oh, don't overlook. Don't, like, dig in the play PlayStation Store. We'll use that. Play, dig in the PlayStation Store. Check deals every week. I have yeah, almost definitely. bought some uh, uh, modernized 8-bit or 16-bit arcade throwback games. Like, contra on steroids for 15 bucks there are some real gems in those stores and i remember those are are good yeah um i i never want to take the jump on some of them but if they ever drop if it ever says i can get like two for 20 i'm in because they they look like modern gaming but with contra graphics with the upgrades obviously and um i the upshot of this podcast should be one read will stuff in the blade is it every week or every other week
1: Every other week and tomorrow, actually, I will have a column talking about online toxicity and the the very thing we were just discussing with, like, for instance, Rachel loves playing uh, Overwatch online, but she won't jump into the competitive mode because it's just so toxic and filled with people who will immediately just call you the nastiest shit possible because they can, because anonymity plus playing online Mm. turns us all into dirtbags. Or does it?
0: What was the name of the scandal a couple of years ago? Gamergate yes yeah, yeah yeah awful stuff so read will's column is it every week or every other week every other week every other week also if you've made it this far into the podcast you are either a close personal friend of my or myself or or will um but if you have made it this far I encourage you to listen to will's podcast oh my I thank you that's the, <laughs> honestly the the biggest commendation I, I
1: I can get from anybody um i I it's just started good. It's good. i just started last week it's I appreciate that because I know for a fact that you don't have any idea what I'm talking about right. when I talk about World of Warcraft lore. And for anybody who's wondering, it, it is a, a narrative lore-based. I I consider it to be part radio show, part like lore examination of World of Warcraft. It's called uh, Essence of Azeroth. It, I've just finished episode two. Episode three is. Gonna, I'm writing it now, and it will be out here in a week and a half. Um, it is kind of me collectively using my 16 years of World of Warcraft story. Um, knowledge to best use. And this includes uh, the original Warcraft series, the tabletop games, the novels, the, the, the comic books, the manga. There's an entire world that's been built around this game that currently has 10 million subscribers, and even if you've never played the game, I break down the lore and kind of talk about it in the narrative sense and in the critical sense. There's a lot of good music. Um, it's me doing my best this American life voice, which I am continually working on and hoping it's better. Um, you, you can find us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, essence of Azeroth or on Twitter at Azeroth podcast, a Z E R O T
0: H T H podcast. I told you the same thing I told, I guess someone who's your colleague, Caitlin Durbin. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. With, uh, I was very excited to, to talk about and tell people that code, you know, Caitlin's podcast, right? Code 18. Yeah. 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 I, was I like liked it. I, not my thing. Like, I, but I know people love, uh, uh, True crime pro- podcast So whenever I got a chance To talk about it on the radio I was like Look here's a, a local True crime podcast So dig in And I listened to 75% of Caitlin's first episode And I was like This is good You know I'm done and I told her this On the podcast And face to face I'm like It's totally fine Like sonically You wouldn't know If this were got 10 million downloads Or 10 It's really good But it's just not my thing Same thing with yours I listened to the first half And I'm like This is really good storytelling I now know why You were stuck with production like it's good i have no idea if you're cursing at me and telling me that like jews should have died in the (laughs) holocaust but this is really good
1: so i'm glad to hear that i'm i'm glad you liked her work it's so funny leaving the blade this a completely different like group of people there from where when i was there even though i'm still technically there and i wish i could get to know them better because they're all fantastic at what they do Liz galka Kate durbin uh, jace gaba Uh, Nolan Rosencrantz, all of them do fantastic work, no matter how fucked up this year has been for anybody in journalism and covering, or at least attempting to cover, you know, wave's hand around everything that's going on. They continue to do fantastic work in the face of adversity, and... I'm glad to know
0: them. I had Mary on the podcast yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I saw that. I can't believe it took me so long to do it because, like, I, I'm, I'm, I really get into the blade. I, I use the news slide every single day, and I'm reading about like the serious problems, the triple murder. We got to put our money here, and then I'm like, oh, there's a food picture, and then I, I dive into <laughs> Mary's food porn. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I can't believe it took me so long to to have her on, but it, it's 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 a tough thing because I I support what Jay and Nolan do, but I don't know um, if people can figure out the difference between the writers and the blade. And they're like, I hate The Blade. It's a newspaper. I'm like, yeah, but it's the best journalism in the area. I hate The Blocks. Yeah, I know, but you can still support Jay and Nolan and all these other people that you just named. It's a tough situation, and uh, I wish I had a bigger platform to to explain it. And unfortunately, you know this. We live in the attention economy, and unless you tell somebody right. what it is in three seconds, they just like, I don't know. Is it is it pink? Is it pretty? So... It-
1: yeah, and, and all we can keep doing is our best work and and hope that people find it. That's that's all we're capable of doing, and I I hope that we keep we keep doing it.
0: Yeah. Um. Thanks. This this might be the longest podcast we've done that wasn't like something that came <laughs> that was off the air. So thank you. It was good to catch up. Good to talk about everything. Tell Rachel, just remind her how awesome she's she is, and I look forward to uh the the painting of the kitchen you said. Uh, living room, living room. All right, it's a I, big one. It's a huge room. It's a big pro- project. I highly suggest getting an edger tool. It saved my life. I've got one. I've got. I've got multiple
1: ones. Yeah. I just used it earlier uh, to do uh, caulking on some of the molding. Life saving. Um,
0: life saving. All these people hate it. Brag about, oh, I can edge with my hand. I'm like you. You can go to hell. <laughs> I'm gonna edge this. <laughs> Well, awesome. I know we
1: all love talking about edging, but we should keep this clean. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'll,
0: I'll see you online. Okay, bud? I will talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. See you, man. Bye.